Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's there. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Burnley, Sunday. December the 13th, 2020. Kickoff, 7.15pm. The contents. The manager, Mikel Arteta. The captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Voice of Arsenal. Player feature, Hector Bellerin. Match action. Arsenal vs. Rapid Vienna. Convertible currency. Community. Arsenal Academy. Arsenal women, 14 times, my story, match action, Tottenham Hotspur vs Arsenal, visitors, Burnley and teams. Manager's Notes, Mikel Arteta. Everyone knows what's expected of them at this football club. The experienced players, the youngsters we saw on Thursday, and the coaching team. The demands at this football club are the very highest. I know that. I've known it from when I arrived as a player. At the moment, we are not getting the results in the league that we all expect, and the pressure. At the moment, we are not getting the results in the league that we all expect, and the pressure is on all of us to turn that around as soon as possible. But more than pressure, I would say that the most important thing right now is the responsibility we all have to start winning football matches and making it happen from today. We have been working hard on addressing our issues and our problems. That's how you turn around your form. Work harder, be positive and believe in what you do. That's how I approach the situation, by encouraging everybody to do that. Obviously our results have not been good enough since that win at Old Trafford, And it might sound strange, but we actually played much better against Spurs than we did in that win over United. Against United, we scored a penalty and won 1-0. In the derby, we had an incredible performance but lost 2-0. We know we can't talk about that though, because we lost the game and that's what matters. But we cannot be so analytical about just one thing in work that we do because there are so many other factors that contribute. At the end though, we are here to win football matches and that's the only thing that people see. We have some players who are going through a difficult time and Aubameyang is one of them. But what I see from him every day is how he's training and how he's behaving, how much he wants to turn this situation around. When I see that type of hunger, it's about supporting the player. Also, you cannot forget what he has given this club ever since he first arrived here. 
He has that status within the team because of the performances he has consistently provided for this football club. I have to say, though, that all this week since the derby, the response I've seen from the players and the reaction I saw from the players after the match, I cannot be any prouder, because I know how difficult it is for everybody at the moment. After losing a derby, you can be completely down, but I saw a completely different team, a team that wants to fight, that has a big belief in what they are trying to do, and they want to push themselves and push each other harder and harder. Oba was one of the main guys there and in training all week he was walking around the place with an energy that you wouldn't normally associate with a team or a player that is suffering at the moment. So for me, that is the way we have to approach it. On Thursday, I asked the players to take the game seriously and I think they were very committed to trying to do the job. It's difficult to find the motivation when you have already progressed in a competition, but there were some really promising performances, some that weren't good enough and I liked being able to give so many young players an opportunity. These boys are really pushing and pushing to play more. You saw that performance of Eddie straight away in the first half, how committed he was. He was going for every ball, and Flo, when he came on, the same. Others, the same. We have some top talent here, and we need to be a little patient with them, but I think we're on the right track. Today is another chance for this club to show our support for the Rainbow Laces campaign and we want to underline how importantly we take the issues of inclusion and equality at this club. We want everybody to feel welcomed in the Arsenal family, but also valued, and we know that there is a lot more work to do within football to achieve this. I was also shocked to see the incident in Paris in the Champions League game on Tuesday. I've seen the incident, and I saw the reaction and the unity that both teams and both clubs showed afterwards. I'm sure UEFA will investigate the actions really carefully, because we've done a lot of work in recent years to try and avoid this kind of behaviour in football. I think it was a very strong message. If my players ever felt that they thought it was right to leave the field in a similar circumstance, I would absolutely support them in that. Finally, I want to thank our fans who were here last week for the Rapid Vienna game. It was a very special moment to welcome you back, and you've all made a huge contribution. We had 2,000, but it looked and sounded like many more. You were very supportive of the team, very encouraging and the lads were saying it makes a huge difference to feel that support and energy. So again, thank you so much for coming and supporting the team. I appreciate the supporters a lot and we are delighted to welcome 2,000 more of you today. You can make a huge difference, honestly, even if it is only 2,000. You can really transmit a positive energy towards the team and that energy is even more appreciated during difficult moments. Captain's Notes, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang There's a big positive today in that we have fans back for a first Premier League game, but I also have to reflect on the defeat last weekend. I spoke in my last notes about how we wanted and needed to use the derby game as a turning point, so the result was very, very hard to take, I can tell you. We were down afterwards because it's not often you will have that much possession and not score. People say a lot of things after the game, but for me, at the moment, all I'm trying to do is be at my top level. That's the most important thing, because the team needs me to perform at my highest level, and at the moment, that's not exactly what I'm doing. But I'm a guy who doesn't like to speak a lot, but works a lot instead, and I'm going to try to turn around things and try to help the team as much as possible. It's been very frustrating for me lately, 
and of course I have been spending a lot of time thinking about what I can do better or how I can change the situation. I think a lot about how I recover between games and between training sessions. I look at what I am doing at home. Am I sleeping enough? Am I sleeping at the right times? Do I need to sleep earlier or something like that? But I try to look at myself. It's about what I can change on a daily basis and that's it. Because I know when I'm on the pitch, when I'm training, I'm training as I should be. Because I try always to work on my finishes. So it's all about just trying to stay confident, don't have doubts. Because I know I can do it. In my family we don't have doubts, even if we have difficult periods. This is part of life. You just have to face it. You have to face the problem and try to change what's wrong. In this case, I think I have to first of all check if I'm doing okay in my proper life. And I think I'm doing so. Now I'll just work and it will come. I'm a positive person. I like to bring that energy to the team and to the changing room. I think that's so important to have a positive spirit and atmosphere around the club. Of course, after games like last weekend, that can be really difficult. But you know, after games like Wolves or Tottenham, for sure we are all frustrated because of how they went and the results we got. I'm the first guy, the captain, so of course I will stay positive. But I'm a human being. I was sad to tell the truth. I was sad after the last game because I think the most important thing is we know we can do better and we have to do better. I was frustrated, but I know this is my job now to turn the things, to keep it positive and to bring always the good vibes to the training ground. Everybody is doing that with me. We are determined to put things right and everybody knows that it is only possible if we keep pulling together in the same direction and support each other. I saw that Gabriel won our Player of the Month award again and I wanted to say how much I think he deserves it. He is really difficult to play against in training. He's so aggressive and physical. It's great to train with guys like that though because it makes you even more determined. You just want to show him that you can pass him because he's in such good form at the moment. It's great for us to have him. We're all happy to have him here, and I must say his English is improving too. We've been trying to help him with that as well. It's getting better, Gabby. Thursday night was a special occasion for two players in particular, midfielders Ben Cottrell and Miguel Aziz. We've all been in that position, coming on for our debut and we never forget that special moment. It was great to see them looking so good so quickly. We train with these young players all the time and have no doubts they can play at that level. When you think Eddie, Flo and Joe scored three of our four goals, it was an amazing night for our academy. It's one of the very best. Things certainly couldn't be going much better for Flo. He comes on, he scores. It's a good habit. It was also great to see Callum and Pablo come through the game, both of whom are coming back from injury. It's really encouraging that our squad is now getting back to full strength. And I've saved Mo's goal until last. What a strike. He has got a really good shot, but it was still a bit of a surprise when that flew in. Finally, we are supporting the Rainbow Laces campaign again today as a club. We see so many examples of how the whole football community needs to keep up the work on inclusion and fighting discrimination in all areas. All football clubs are so much stronger when we are together as one community, when everybody is welcomed, and when we have a diverse Arsenal family. 
To have that, you must have equality. And that's what we will never stop fighting for as players and as a football club. Voice of Arsenal Welcome, NHS staff. Arsenal Football Club are delighted to welcome a number of NHS staff from the Whittington Hospital to this evening's game. We're very thankful for all your incredible work and for the sacrifices you have made to help others during this most difficult year. Rainbow Laces Campaign At today's match, Arsenal are showing their support for Stonewall's Rainbow Laces Campaign. This afternoon's game will feature Rainbow Captain's armbands, ball plinths and boards displaying the iconic branding to remind supporters of the ongoing work that goes on across football and other sports to support and celebrate our LGBT plus communities. Hector Bellerin's feature in today's programme also includes quotes from a conversation he had with the Gay Gunas, the UK's first and world's largest LGBT plus football fan group, to understand more about the significance of the campaign and learn more about the personal experiences of our diverse fan base. Our Arsenal in the community team have undertaken Stonewall's training to deliver workshops around becoming an LGBT plus ally to participants on our BTEC and Arsenal Gapier programmes. This delivery forms part of a wider equality programme which has included sessions on other topics, such as hate crime. Staff across the club will take part in a sexuality and gender identity workshop, which will provide a safe space to discuss and learn about LGBT plus issues and allyship. Arsenal are united in standing with all Premier League clubs to highlight the support, but we are committed to embedding diversity and inclusion across our club every day in everything we do so everybody connected to the club feels an equal sense of belonging to the Arsenal family. Gabriel is Player of the Month. Again, congratulations to our Brazilian defender Gabriel, who has once again topped Arsenal.com's official online poll for Player of the Month for November. It's something of an understatement to say Gabriel has had a successful start to his Arsenal career. He also won the prize in September and October. Our summer signing from Lille was absolutely outstanding in our 1-0 victory at Manchester United at the start of November as he helped marshal the defence to a clean sheet. He was also in fine form as we drew at Elland Road against Leeds and despite the defeats to Aston Villa and Wolves, he performed well and scored in the latter. Gabriel was the overwhelming winner with 76% of the votes cast, with Joe Willock in second place and Bukayo Saka in third. Twelve days of Christmas win amazing prizes. Arsenal members' Christmas giveaway. We are giving away daily prizes to Arsenal members with a special countdown to Christmas Day. Every day from December the 14th to 25th, members will have the chance to win amazing prizes including signed shirts, Arsenal merchandise, special gifts from our partners and much more. Simply answer a question from an Arsenal player to be in with a chance of winning. There are new prizes up for grabs every day, so if you're a member, 
Make sure to check back each day this Christmas for more chances to win. Head to arsenal.com for more information. Christmas offers in-store. If you're at the match tonight, there are exclusive offers in the club shops. There is 30% off selected lines, plus an extra 10% member's discount. Available in the Armoury store and retail kiosks. Win, win, win. It's our first league game back with fans in the stadium, and we have a very special prize for you. We know it's been difficult to be apart from the team over the last nine months, but as the recent team group illustrated, we can be apart but still together. Answer the following question correctly for a chance of winning the official team group signed by all of the squad. How many players were in the official squad picture? A. 25 B. 30 C. 35 Email us by Friday, January the 1st, 2021 to program at uk or tweet us to at AFC Programme. Nicolas Pepe Nicolas Pepe serves the final game of his three-match suspension this evening. He will be available for Wednesday's game against Southampton. Programme ITK Burnley's first visit to Emirates Stadium came in the FA Cup on March eighth, two 2009 and ended in a 3-0 defeat courtesy of goals from Carlos Vela, Eduardo and Emmanuel Ebue. Sitting on the Burnley bench that afternoon was 19-year-old Jay Rodriguez, who, as a young striker, must have admired the delicious Vela chip and an even better, outrageous, outside-of-the-foot volley from Eduardo. December the 13th has featured three games between Arsenal and Burnley. In 1924, the Gunners travelled to Turf Moor and headed home empty-handed after a one-dole defeat. In 1952, the two teams played out a hard-fought draw in Lancashire in a season when Arsenal went on to win the First Division. And in 1969, Bertie Mee's young team entertained Burnley and won a thriller 3-2, thanks to goals from Jimmy Robertson, John Radford and Geordie Armstrong. Ref Watch Tonight's referee is Graeme Scott from Oxfordshire. Today's game will be his fifth Premier League appointment of the season and he has yet to officiate an Arsenal game this term. Scott has been a Premier League referee since season 2014-15 and in all has officiated seven Premier League games featuring Arsenal in which we've won five and lost two. Most recently, Scott was the man in the middle when we beat Southampton 2-0 at St Mary's in June. Stop press. There has been a late change to the officiating team for tonight's match. Neil Davis has replaced Peter Kirkup as assistant referee. Kenny and Willie. Everyone at Arsenal would like to extend best wishes to two great players from our history. Supporters may have read recently about Kenny Santum and his battles with ill health. Kenny who played 394 games for us between 1980 and 1988, had been in hospital for a number of months in Devon and has been diagnosed with Wernick-Kersakoff syndrome, a form of dementia which is reversible. Now out of hospital and with his family in London, Kenny is in good spirits 
and it is hoped that he can make a full recovery. We would also like to wish Willie Young the very best after he recently revealed that, that he is fighting Alzheimer's. Willie, who played 237 times for us between 1977 and 1981, remained positive and is being looked after by his wife Linda and family at their home in Nottingham. Two great names from Arsenal's past. Our thoughts are with Kenny and Willie as they face their latest and most difficult opponents. FA Cup details confirmed. Details have now been finalised for the third round of the FA Cup, and Arsenal know they have a tea-time date with opponents Newcastle United. The match will take place as follows. Arsenal vs Newcastle United, Saturday, January the 9th, 2021, kick-off, 5.30pm, live on BBC One. The Gunners are, of course, hoping to retain the trophy they won so memorably at Wembley on August the 1st, with a 2-1 victory over Chelsea, a record 14th victory in the competition. As usual, teams entering the third round will have to win six games to claim the cup. However, due to the truncated fixture list this season, the 2020-21 FA Cup will be the first to feature no replays in any of the rounds. Europa League draw tomorrow. After finishing our Europa League campaign top of Group B, Arsenal are looking forward to tomorrow's knockout round draw. The draw takes place at UEFA headquarters in Lyon, Switzerland, on Monday, December the 14th at midday UK time. The draw features the 12 group winners and 12 runners-up, plus eight teams transferring from the UEFA Champions League after finishing third in their sections. As a group winner, Arsenal will be one of the seeded teams in the draw. The 12 group winners and four best third-ranked teams in the Champions League group stage are seeded. Seeded teams play at home in the second leg. No team can play a club from their UEFA Europa League group or a side from the same national association. The round of 32 first leg will take place on Thursday, February the 18th, with the second leg the following week. Player feature Hector Back in December 2013, a fresh-faced Hector spent the season out on loan with Watford and lined up at Turf Moor for his first ever away league game and only his second league victory in senior football. Burnley would go on to seal promotion to the Premier League that campaign, finishing second and stating at the heart of their defence at that day were Ben Mee and Kevin Long, who remain a key part of the team under Dyke. Burnley kept a clean sheet against the Hornets that day and it's the same dog defence approach that's seen them firmly establish themselves in the Premier League with limited financial resources. Seven years on, Hector has racked up a total of 169 Premier League appearances for the Arsenal. We recently caught up with Hector to reflect on the last few weeks, Mikel Arteta's first year in charge and his pride in supporting Stonewell UK's Rainbow Laces campaign. How did the team react in the dressing room to defeats against Wolves and Tottenham? Who was talking? I always say what happens in our dressing room stays in our dressing room. For us... 
It's our sacred place. And if we don't have that place to say or do whatever feels right, the trust isn't there. And when you've got nothing, so all you can say with regards to the North London derby is that we were really upset, of course, and we accept our responsibility. The different style Mikel has been has been no excuse because we have a coach who plans games really, really well. And for us players, they know what we need to do on the football pitch. And we want to win. So if we don't do that and we don't win, we know it's our responsibility. Because maybe on that day, our attitude wasn't quite right, our defensive positioning wasn't right, or our final product wasn't good enough. But we have no excuses as the players, and we all agree that we have to step up. I think it's important for us to recognise we're all humans and we all make mistakes. And it's all in our heads to change this dynamic that we're in. The team this week has been really positive mood because we know we have the capacity and the potential as a team to be really up there as we are. And we showed that with our performances under Mikel at the end of last season. And now it's up to us to change and become the team that we need to be. Now, it's a year since Mikel took over. How would you assess the last 12 months? The way Mikel turned things around after lockdown especially was really impressive. We won the FA Cup, we won the Community Shield, and we have some great team performances, and that shows the capacity he has as a manager, for me. The most important thing, though, is instilled is the culture around the training ground and the football club as a whole. When you come to the club, you only want to make it short-term changes for short-team success. That's something that can happen quickly. But when you're really trying to change the whole culture of the club and you're trying to change the identity of the team has for the better, it's something that takes time. But I can promise you, all the players think we're on the right path. It's not something that's going to be easy. And we know that. There's going to be ups and downs. And we are fully on board. And we can't wait for these results to come to give us the confidence that we need. Raul Jimenez went off with a fractured skull in our last league game here. Would you like to see changes by the way the protocol surrounding concussion and head injuries? I've had a few concussions over the years of playing football, but first of all, I want to send my best to Raul and David and the whole team. And we're truly, truly behind them and we wish them a speedy recovery. David suffered the after effects of what happened too. We've been trying to take care of him as players and the doctors at the club. I know that both clubs did everything they can in that situation. They did everything right and sometimes things can happen in football, unfortunately as players. I feel like every year the game is getting more and more physical and the speed of the game is getting quicker and quicker. Players are stronger and fitter than ever before and when you play in the Premier League, which is a league with so much aggression and everyone fights 100% of every single ball, these events can happen. And I think the safety of the player should always be put first. There's so many games that are happening in the congested fixture schedule right now that I think we need to be careful regarding the safety of the players with all the things, not just concussions. We need to put the safety of the players first because at the end of the day, we're the ones who need to be out there on the pitch. We perform week in, week out, not just for us, but for the entertainment of the fans too. When two teams go at it 100%, they're ready to fight to win. That's what everybody enjoys watching. And that's what we need to create, the best conditions possible for that to happen. You recently became a shareholder at Forest Green Rovers. How did that come about? And what is your role there? I came across them a few years ago after Arsenal under-23s played a friendly against them. I didn't know everything that was going on behind the scenes at the time. And then I switched to a vegan diet 
and started changing my life choices. I started seeing more and more about the work that Forest Green were doing and then became a no-brainer for me. I always love when there's crossovers into different things and different passions that I have. And one of them was football and the environment. They really come together. With the stuff that Dale Vincent's doing at Forest Green, I rang them and said, look, I'd love to help what you're doing in any way possible. And we agreed. We could control a shareholder and I'm someone that's under control of the club because Dale has been doing a great job for the last few years. So he didn't just need my help in that sense, but I've been helping them in so many other ways. I've been working on different partnerships. I know I'm really excited to help raise awareness to their clubs and who they're trying to be. Arsenal recently joined a new framework too, and I'm so happy. My football club is doing that. Even with the chefs here in the training ground, and they said that the pandemic ends, they want to visit Forest Green to see what they can do. We're working on a few more link-ups. It's something new and something that needs to be a little bit more time. There's a lot of stuff going on at the moment, and in the mainstream of football, but for me, it is people who make these decisions and just go for it that truly change the game. And that's why I really wanted to join them. Could other clubs learn from what Forest Green are doing? Yeah, for sure. They've all been learning curve. And like anything, it's like one person or an entity, or it makes up change. And then once you've something that people follow, people see it's working. Everyone wants to jump into it, but it always takes that one person to dive into the pool, almost blindfolded, to see what's happening on the other side. Forest Green are a club in the fourth tier, and in so many ways they're very different to the club like Arsenal. But that's so important, to show that a professional club can do the way that Forest Green are doing it. For me, the most important thing is to keep trying. I always say, with sometimes, and the resources that some people have, we, the thing is, it's, there's so much stuff available to us nowadays. And it's a society. They're not completely out there for us to become fully sustainable in the way that we want to live. But we are trying. It's the least we can do. And I'm proud of my club for doing that. I'm glad I could be part of the Forest Green family as well. Today's game will see us wear rainbow laces in support of the LGBT and community. Just how important is it for us to promote diversity and equality? I'm very proud and I'm happy that the club and I'm part of this, does everything that they can for the fans. It doesn't matter about their gender, sexuality or race. They are always welcome to be part of the family and we are doing everything we can to make people safe and enjoy football. For me, the number one thing is that everybody can feel safe in the environment where they can go and support a football club just like everyone else. I feel very lucky and grateful that I was raised in the environment with friends and family that taught me to respect everybody the way that they are. And that's the same way I feel today. I know the world of football is a world where it is very difficult to talk about this kind of thing and this kind of subject. But if there is nobody that pushes the boundaries and nobody that wants to start that conversation, then it's never going to happen. I'm not afraid to help in any way I can. And that's what I want to do. Europa League Match Day 5, 8pm, Thursday, December 3rd, Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 4, Rapid Vienna 1. First half. It had been 271 days since our supporters were last inside the Emirates Stadium, but finally they were back, and with little more than 10 minutes on the clock, the 2,000 fans were celebrating as Alex Lacazette thumped home a screamer from 25 yards. 
It wasn't long before Pablo Mari was making his return from a six-month injury layoff with his first goal in our colours, nodding in from a Reese Nelson corner, and after Lacazette and Ainsley Maitland-Niles had gone close, we grabbed a third just before the interval. An electric, sweeping move forward involving Lacazette, Nicolas Pepe and Nelson ended with Eddie Nketiah scoring at the second time of asking. Second half. Despite Rapid hitting back within two minutes of the restart through Koya Kitagawa, we soon reasserted our dominance and Maitland-Niles had a close-range shot saved, while Pepe also had two opportunities in quick succession. But we soon found our fourth, as Pepe pounced on a defensive error and found the overlapping Maitland-Niles who laid it on a plate for Emile Smith-Rowe to poke home moments after coming on. Four goals and there was further good news as Callum Chambers came on with 20 minutes remaining for his first appearance since sustaining a knee injury back on December the 29th, 2019. Convertible Currency Football historian John Sperling looks at the evolution of Arsenal players' positions, past and present. Michael Thomas surges into midfield. When regular right-back Viv Anderson was injured in February 1987, Arsenal manager George Graham opted to pluck another supremely gifted starlet from a youth system which had already supplied the club with talents including Paul Davis, Tony Adams and David Rowcastle, to name but a few. Michael, as he was often known back then, Thomas, replaced Anderson to make his league debut at Sheffield Wednesday in a 1-1 draw, and in total made 12 appearances that season. Demonstrating his versatility, he also deputised for left-back Kenny Sampson when he too got injured at the tail end of the 1986-87 campaign. Michael has several core strengths, explained George Graham. He is a very powerfully built boy, quick and versatile. I think that he has a fantastic future at the club. Graham picked Thomas as substitute for the 1987 Littlewoods Cup final, and he won a winner's medal when he replaced Martin Hayes in the second half. Such was Thomas's promise that Graham allowed Viv Anderson to depart to Manchester United in the 1987 close season, and the Lambeth-born defender sparkled at the start of the 1987-88 campaign. Arsenal surged to the top of the first division in the autumn, and Thomas's powerful runs from right back were a key component of the Gunners' ten straight league wins. At White Hart Lane in October, Thomas scored Arsenal second following a surging run from deep within his own half. During that time, he forged an excellent understanding with David Rowcastle on the right, and his relentless energy on that side of the pitch also saw him destroy Norwich City's defence as Arsenal won 4-2 at Carrow Road in November. But events moved fast during the first two years of George Graham's tenure, and following the signing of right-back Lee Dixon from Stoke City, and midfielder Steve Williams fading from the first-team scene, Thomas was shifted into midfield. He scored a superb chip goal against Everton in the 1988 League Cup semi-final at Highbury, which took Arsenal to Wembley for the second year in a row and quickly formed a great relationship with Paul Davis and best mate David Rowcastle. At the start of the 88-89 campaign, his shuttling runs forward thrilled the Arsenal fans, earning him an England call-up in the process. 
Michael is a modern midfielder, ideally suited to the 80s game, explained George Graham. He knows how to break forward and strikes the balance with fulfilling his defensive duties. Years later, Thomas recalled, In training, George made it very clear that the midfielder's job was to screen the back four like our lives depended on it, and drop back whenever required. Half-jokingly, he said that the back four, Adams, Bald, Dixon, Winterburn and O'Leary, would play until their late 30s, whereas Rocky and I would play until we were 30, given the energy we used up. Never was a truer word spoken. Crisp in the tackle and with an almost nonchalant passing style, Thomas appeared to have the world at his feet. On January 2nd, 1989, he powered forward to secure his team's 2-0 win against Tottenham late on at Highbury after collecting a through ball. It was a portend of what was to come at Anfield in May 1989. With seconds to go in the title decider, Thomas latched on to a deft Alan Smith through ball and beat Bruce Grobelaar to bring the title back to Highbury after 18 long years. Yet even in the weeks leading up to the match at Anfield, Thomas's form had become inconsistent. His passes went astray, and although he largely retained his first-team place over the next two seasons, his early mojo deserted him. No one, including Thomas himself, appeared to quite know why, although he made it clear that the increasingly long-ball style Graham adopted didn't suit him. By December 1991, Thomas was sold to Liverpool, the team he'd vanquished two years earlier for a £1.5 million fee. It was a jarring sight indeed, but Gunners fans will always be grateful to the right-back turned midfielder for scoring arguably the most famous goal in the club's history at Anfield on that memorable night in May 1989. Steve Gatting, the all-rounder. During three seasons in the Arsenal first team, the brother of England cricket star Mike Gatting was never a regular, but his tenacity and determination earned him the respect of the Highbury crowd. The Arsenal man, who later turned out in central defence for Brighton, flitted between full-back and central midfield for the Gunners. I played wherever I was asked, he later explained. I'd have played in goal if Terry, Neil, had asked me to. With Arsenal's involvement in long cup runs in both the 1978-79 and 79-80 campaigns taking its toll on the squad, Gatting slotted in when and where required and proved to be an invaluable member of the squad. He scored in the deciding FA Cup third-round match against Sheffield Wednesday at Filbert Street in the epic five-game series against Jack Charlton's side as Arsenal won 2-0. His finest Arsenal goal came at Leeds in a storming 5-0 Gunners win when he rifled home from outside the box past future Gunner John Lukic. I enjoyed playing in different positions throughout my career, he explained. It helps you grow and mature as a player. Gatting later returned to Arsenal as a highly respected coach, moving through the age groups to lead the under-23 team before leaving the club in 2018. Community Football Plus are back. After nine long months on Saturday, December the 5th, Teams from our Football Plus project finally returned to action in the Regent's Park Youth League. Like all other grassroots sports, the league, which has been running since 2000, 
has been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic and has seen thousands of local youngsters unable to play the beautiful game. Our under-10 and under-12 teams were both in action on what was a very wet morning. One of the Football Plus parents said, My son was so excited about his first game in Regent's Park since last March. He has really missed playing with his teammates and playing against other local teams. Grassroots football plays an important role in the lives of young people, and it is great to see everyone benefiting from and enjoying the game again. Part funded by the Premier League, Football Plus uses regular grassroots football activities delivered by Arsenal in the community as a platform to raise awareness of important social issues children face within and outside the game. Players, parents and the wider local grassroots community are offered opportunities to engage with topics such as touchline conduct and attitudes towards officials. Both areas can blight the grassroots game. Wider topics addressed include safe use of the internet for children, healthy lifestyles, anti-bullying, age-appropriate messages around primary or secondary school transition, drug and alcohol misuse. All of these challenges are faced by young people in current-day society. Our community teams will participate in league and cup games in the park until the season finishes at the end of March before taking part in Arsenal in the community's annual grassroots mini-league from April to July. For more information on our Football Plus programme, email jameswarnock via jwarnock at arsenal.co.uk We've started hashtag I Will Week early. Well done to participants from our at PLC communities hashtag PLKicks program who are supporting the Islington Flu Vaccination Clinic based at the Arsenal Hub with at Manor underscore Gardens local young people supporting their community. Developing strong young guns. In this issue, young gun Nikaja Moya. Match reports the under 23s beat Derby. Remembering Josh Benson. News Zach's back. And stats, results, and fixtures. Young gun Nicola Moller. Talking to Aidan Small. Born Sweden, July 20th. 2002. Signed for Arsenal, November 2020. Height and weight, 194 centimetres and 85 kilos. Boots, Adidas. Position, striker. School, Malmo's Football Elite School. Just like any other kid when I started playing football, it was all about fun. We had a local pitch and every day, I would go with friends and we'd try and learn new skills and tricks for hours and hours on end. You can't beat those childhood memories. I grew up in a little town called Rydback in Sweden. And for years I just played football for fun. I was at a team called Ramalosa Sadra, my father's local team. But when I was 12, I got picked up by Malmo at a summer camp. And that's when things started to get serious. Football had always been about enjoyment for me. 
It was something that made me happy. But at this point I realised that I could see a future in the sport and that it's something that I really wanted to do. Growing up there were lots of strikers that I admired but coming from Sweden there was only ever been one idol for me and that's Abramerik. For the combination of physical dribbling, shooting and confidence he has got everything you want from a striker and I try to model parts of my game around him. When you look at Ibra, you see a big striker and you'll assume that that's his best trait. They're all physical. But when you watch him, you quickly realise that you couldn't be further from the truth. I'd like to think I'm similar in that sense. I'm six foot four now, but as a kid, I was the same height as everybody else until I had a sudden growth spurt. That was vital for my development as a player. Growing up, I would play as a skillful midfielder and always searching for the ball and setting up my teammates. But then I started growing. My coaches realised I could play as a striker. Transfer those technical skills. I think it was really important for my development because over the physical traits I had in youth football, you could hold back and have a long run. I have to say, Malmo were really helping my career. They gave me some experience against some good players. A really good football education. My next step in my career was to move to Bologna. Their scouts spotted me in a tournament in Italy and they thought I'd be a good signing for their academy. So after I'd have looked round, I thought it would be a great opportunity for me here in Italy. Everything is about scoring and I really admire that mentality. They're also really strict and do a lot of tactical work on the training ground. So that was really helpful for my career. And it was so different for the life in Malmo and it helped me to see football from a different perspective. So I played in Italy for just over a year until I got the call from Malmo saying that they want me back because they wanted to eject some youth into the first team. I returned with the intention of fighting for my place in the starting eleven. but one morning I got a call from my dad who told me that an Arsenal scout would be coming to my next game. I can't lie, I was nervous. Premier League clubs are massive in Sweden, but especially Arsenal. Anyway, I played really well on the day. And I found out that they were serious about signing me. From that moment on, my mind was set on joining Arsenal. To finally sign that contract was a dream come true. I'm so in love with football and the biggest experience of emotion I've ever felt from the game. Arriving at London Colney and seeing those pitches for the first time. Wow, I'll never forget it. But above all else, the thing that impressed me about Arsenal was the people. My teammates, the coaches, the staff, etc. Some clubs don't really have that family feeling, but here at Arsenal, you feel it the moment you arrive at the club. I'm so grateful for that. Joining a new team and moving to a new country in the midst of a pandemic is no easy thing. But all the people involved in the club at all levels have made it an incredible experience for me, and I can't thank them enough. Now, I want to show all of you gooners what I can do. Rate yourself, speed, 88, shooting, 94, dribbling, 87, passing, 85, defending, 60. The lowdown on Moller, earliest memory of football, falling in love with the sport as a kid, waiting to play the ball every day. What got me into playing football? My father, players like Ronaldinho and Ibra keep me going. First footballer I looked up to? Ronaldinho, never seen a player with passion and technical ability like him. Favourite shirt I own? Sweden shirt with Ibra 9 on the back. Best goal I've scored? My first for Arsenal, 
A simple goal, but scoring in an Arsenal shirt was a different feeling for me. I can't describe how good that felt. Best player I've faced? Brian Brobby from Ajax. He's a very good striker. Best piece of skill I've done in the game? An Elastico nutmeg, the Ronaldinho. Best moment of my career so far? The goals I've scored at Arsenal. Every time I score, I can't believe I'm actually scoring with an Arsenal shirt on. The one stadium I'd like to score in? Emirates Stadium, with the fans. One type of goal I'd like to score? A volley from outside the box in the top corner. A player to score one-to-one saved my life? Ivan Abrabriniak. If I could change position, I'd be a midfielder similar to Paul Pogba. Best training ground tip I've given? Remember why you're here. Another sport you're good at? Basketball. An important non-playing attribute for young footballers. Your mentality. How much you want to win and how much you're willing to train to be better. Biggest lesson learnt off the pitch? Every day is an opportunity to be better. Favourite faller of all time? Ziaotan, of course. Favourite follow on Instagram? Cristiano. He has a nice lifestyle. Most played Spotified artist? Drake. Favourite trainers? Adidas. Favourite pre-match song? Anything by Drake or a hype song to get me in the mood? Best football attribute? Scoring. One thing you need on an away day? Headphones. If it wasn't for football, I would be a basketball player or a football agent. First team player I look up to the most, Aubameyang. Best thing about being at Arsenal, the development as a player and the quality of every practice session. Something not many people know about you. I love Nutella a lot. Academy match report. Arsenal 3, Derby County 1. Premier League 2, Friday, November 27th, Meadow Park. Our under-23 secured a third consecutive victory in the Premier League 2 as they ran out comfortable 3-1 winners over Derby County. Pablo Mari scored 35 minutes for the first time since recovering from an injury, while Ben Cotterell and Miguel Aziz both started, having been named our matchday squad for the first team the night before. As has been the case in recent weeks, they were joined by William Saliba and Callum Chambers in defence, with the latter completing 90 minutes for the first time since returning from injury. We made a strong start and opened the scoring inside 13 minutes when Cotterall's defence-splitting pass found Kiddo Taylor Hart inside the area and forced a foul from McDonald. Cotterall, who captained the side in the absence of Balogun, stepped forward and duly converted from the spot, firing down the middle. The youngster, who has proved three goals and three assists, all competitions for our youth side this season. Captain Curran, who started on the right wing, often drifted inside and then saw his low drive save before the visitors were awarded their chance of their own 12 yards. Josh Cholibert won the penalty after driving into the box and drawing a foul from Taylor Hart. But Arthur replaced the experienced Matt McKay, produced a fine diving save to deny Hector Ingram. Derby pulled themselves back on level terms before the break, although when Jordan Brown capitalised on the lapsing concentration at the back to fire home from close range. 
But it didn't take us long to restore our lead. With Moyla once again making the difference, Catalin Saran received the ball on the edge of the area and slipped through our number nine, who took the touch before finding the bottom corner. The Sweden Youth International has now scored three goals in the Premier League since leaving from Malmo in the summer. We continue to push on for our third of the evening and soon after Taylor Hart making his first start for our under-23s, furthered our advantages by applying a finishing touch to a stunning team move. Sauber stepped away from midfield and fed Aziz, who switched to play and received once more on the edge of the area before feeding Taylor Hart, who cut inside the left and fired to the cop corner. As the game drew to a close, we continued to dominate play. Derby grew increased frustrating and with 20 minutes remaining, Kevin McDonald was shown the second yellow for a reckless foul on Ryan Abusu. The results saw Steve Bold's side maintain their impressive form and climb up to 10th in the Premier League 2 table. Academy Alumni Catching up with former Arsenal Academy players as they continue their pro careers away from the Emirates. Josh Benson There was a familiar name making a Premier League debut a fortnight ago, though it was something of a baptism of fire for Josh Benson, playing in central midfield for Burnley in a 5-0 defeat in Manchester City. Josh joined the Gunners J7 after being spotted playing for Thurrock. He progressed through every age level and signed his scholarship as a 16-year-old in the summer of 2016. In a cohort which included Eddie, Rias, Dan and Emil Smith-Rowe, Josh played 30 times for the under-18, scoring three goals and registering seven assists, but found his chances into breaking into the under-23s, for whom he's played for just once, limited, and he headed home for Bromley in the summer of 2018. Sent out on load to League Two's Grimsby Town last season, he impressed in an 11-game spell and he scored twice and he also had two assists. This season, Josh is getting closer to his dream of Premier League football as he is featured in all three of the Burnley's Carabao Cup games against Sheffield United, Millwall and Manchester City, prompting Saul Dyke to throw him into the deep end at the Etihad, where despite the result, he could be proud of a committed and composed league debut playing a full 90 minutes and impressing his manager, Sean. I thought Josh Brenton was terrific, said Sean after the match. It was a very difficult game to come into anyway, very difficult when he's looking around to finding his feet, although he's been training with us for a very long time. But he gave us a really good account of himself in a really tough game. Never went away, kept going physically and kept going when the ball, when he could. And when there was a little foothold in the game, the little passages of play, he secured the play and he should be really pleased with himself. And I made sure he knew that at the end. Academy News Swanson returns from the Netherlands. Zach Swanson has returned from his loan spell with MVV Maastricht. The 20-year-old joined the diverse side back in late August with a hope of securing regular first-team football. But it was unfortunately limited to just three appearances. The Bastille defender was originally meant to spend the entirety of 2021 season with the Dutch outfit. Swanson enjoyed an impressive debut campaign for our under-23s last term, making 14 appearances in the Premier League too. He even capped in the side against Chelsea in our penultimate game of the season. Under-23s played Brentford friendly. 
The under-23s entertained the Brentford reserve team on Thursday, December the 3rd, to help a number of players gain playing time ahead of a busy Christmas schedule. The Gunners lost 1-0 to a Samson Gugas goal in the first half, with the Gunners playing an interesting defending partnership with William Sabala and Socrates. The youngsters like Caspin, Kiddo Taylor-Hart and other issues, young um, was all in action for us with some impression recent performance from the Steve Bold team. Academy Lonelies into the third round. Harry Clark, Danielle Ballard and Reese John Jules helped Oldham Athletic, Blackpool and Doncaster Rovers retrospectively reach the FA Cup third rounds in the last weekend of November. Clark's Oldham beat Bradford 2-1 to progress to the next round after goals from Colin McKelly and Danny Rowe overturned an early Clayton Donaldson penalty. A young defender played a full match as Harry Kuehl's side made it six wins from their last seven games in all competitions. Blackpool also progressed after beating Harrogate 4-0 on the road. Ballard played a full match and kept a clean sheet at the back as goals from Mark Beck, Grant Ward, George and Gabriel and Daniel Kemp saw them progressively comfortable. Tyrese John Jules made his long-awaited return for Doncaster as they beat Carlisle 2-1. Our 19-year-old forward has not been out since October through injury, but came off the bench to replace Josh Sims. Benjamin Whitman scored twice in the 12 first half minutes to give Doncaster an early advantage in the game before. Jonathan Millish grabbed the late consolation for Carlisle. The Arsenal loanings, including Ben Chiefs, Coventry City, now face some interesting third round ties on the second weekend of January. Blackburn Rovers versus Doncaster Rovers, Norwich City versus Coventry City, Blackpool versus West Bromwich Albion, and Oldham Athletic versus Bourne. Arsenal Women. News and reports from England's most successful women's football team. Women's Super League, Meadow Park, Sunday, December the 6th. Arsenal 3, Ford 57, Ruud 62, Little 87, penalty. Birmingham City 0. Arsenal. Williams, Meyer, Evans 64, Williamson, Beatty, Ruben Moy 64, McCabe. Cately, 68. Goot, Little, Ruud, Mead, Van der Donk, 71. Medema, Ford, Knob, 71. Subs not used. Zinsberger, Mace. We marked an historic occasion at Meadow Park last weekend with a dominant 3-0 league victory over Birmingham City. It's been more than nine months since we last welcomed supporters through the turnstiles. And while we operated at a reduced capacity, it was a special day for all involved. Heading into this fixture on the back of a defeat against Manchester United and a hard-fought draw with Chelsea, we looked hungry for goals from the first whistle, pressing from the front and remaining patient in our build-up play. The first chance of the afternoon fell to Jill Ruud after just one minute when she thumped a powerful first-time effort just over the bar. Viviane Medema then went on to fire two promising chances wide of the target, before Beth Mead, making her 100th Arsenal appearance, charged into the area and drew a foul from Molly Green. 
When Kim Little is standing over a penalty, there is usually only one outcome. But this time she was denied by an outstanding save from Hannah Hampton. Shortly after, Midema was played through down the left and sold her marker with a fake shot, before cutting inside and firing wide when the ball looked destined for the top corner. Despite the frustration of missing so many chances though, we kept our composure and grabbed our reward after the break. With an instinctive first-time cross, Katie McKay picked out Caitlin Ford at the far post and the Australian international headed home for her seventh of the season across all competitions. By this stage we were oozing confidence and following a slick one-touch passing move, Ruud fired a stunning effort into the top corner from the edge of the area. The good news kept coming too, with Jordan Nobbs and Steph Cately returning from injury off the bench to pick up some valuable minutes. Little then went on to make it three with just minutes of the 90 remaining, converting from the spot to make up for her previous miss and cap off a wonderful performance. Beth's into the 100 club. As mentioned, it was a 100th appearance for Beth on Sunday. Congratulations. Beth joined us from Sunderland in January 2017 and has started 82 of her 100 matches, with 18 substitute appearances. The 25-year-old also has an excellent scoring record, with 37 goals for the Gunners. Here's to the next century, Beth. 2020-2021 fixtures. September the 6th, Reading, 6-1. September the 12th, West Ham United, 9-1. September 26th, Tottenham, FA Cup quarter-final, 4-0. October 1st, Man City, FA Cup semi-final, 1-2. October 4th, Bristol City, 3-1. October 7th, Chelsea, CC, 1-4. October 11th, Brighton and Hove Albion, 5-0. October 18th, Tottenham Hotspur, 6-1. November 4th, London City Lionesses, CC, 4-0. November 8th, Manchester United, 0-1. November 5th, Chelsea, 1-1. November 18th, Tottenham Hotspur, CC, 2-2. Arsenal won on penalties. December 6th, Birmingham City, 3-0. December 13th, Manchester City, away. December 20th, Everton, home. January 9th stroke 10th, Aston Villa, away. January 16th stroke 17th, Reading, away. January 23rd stroke 24, West Ham United, home. February 6th stroke 7th, Manchester City, home. February 10th, 11th or 12th, Chelsea, away. March 6th stroke 7th, Birmingham City, away. March 17th stroke 18th, Manchester United, home. March 27th stroke 28th, Tottenham Hotspur, away. April 3rd stroke 4th, Bristol City, away. April 24th stroke 25th, Brighton and Hove Albion, home. May 1st stroke 2nd, Everton, away. May 8th stroke 9th, Aston Villa, home. Women's Super League, at December 8th. Manchester United played 8, won 6, drawn 2, lost 0, 4, 19, against 7, goal difference 12, points 20. Arsenal played 8, won 6, drawn 1, lost 1, 
4.33 against 6, goal difference 27, points 19. Chelsea played 7, won 5, drawn 2, lost 0, 4.22 against 5, goal difference 17, points 17. Manchester City played 8, won 4, drawn 3, lost 1, 4.21 against 8, goal difference 13, points 15. Everton played 8, won 4, drawn 2, lost 2, 4.17, against 11, goal difference 6, points 14. Reading played 8, won 2, drawn 4, lost 2, 4.9, against 12, goal difference minus 3, points 10. Birmingham City played 8, won 3, drawn 0, lost 5, 4.9 against 13, goal difference minus 4, points 9. Brighton and Hove Albion played 8, won 2, drawn 2, lost 4, 4, 4.6 against 15, goal difference minus 9, points 8. Tottenham Hotspur played 8, won 1, drawn 3, lost 4, 4, 4.9 against 17, goal difference minus 8, points 6. West Ham United played 8, won 1, drawn 1, lost 6, 4-9, against 23, goal difference minus 14, points 4. Aston Villa played 6, won 1, drawn 0, lost 5, 4-3, against 14, goal difference minus 11, points 3. Bristol City played 7, won 0, drawn 2, lost 5, 4-5 against 31, goal difference 26, points 2. Fourteen times. Number 14, Martin Kean. In August we lifted the FA Cup for a record outstanding 14th time. But it's not just our rich, illustrious history in football's oldest knockout competition that is synonymous with the number 14. May the 14th, 1986. It happened on the 14th. George Graham appointed manager, May the 14th, 1986. Just a matter of days after the end of the 1985-86 season, George Graham was announced as the Gunners' 16th full-time boss. Don Howe had left the job that March, and after Steve Burtonshaw took over on a caretaker boss, Arsenal finished 7th in Division 1. So the board turned to Graham, who had turned around the fortunes at Millwall, earning them promotion to Division 2. But he was no stranger to the marble halls, of course. He won the double as an Arsenal player in 1971, and soon set about lifting more silverware as manager. He won two league titles, two league cups, the FA Cup and Cup Winners' Cup during a glorious nine-year reign. Today, we take a look at one of the players who wore the number 14 shirt with such distinction. Martin Keown. When squad numbers were introduced in the Premier League in 1993-94, to Rugged defender Martin Keown was handed the number 14 shirt with fellow centre-backs Andy Lingham, Tony Adams and Steve Bould occupying numbers 5, 6 and 12 respectively. 
In fact, Martin wore this number for the next six seasons, before Steve Bould left for Sunderland in 1999, freeing up the number 5 shirt he had taken from Lingham four years earlier. That in turn left the number 14 available, which appealed to new signing Thierry Henry. His favoured number 12 shirt was already taken by striker Christopher Ray. Martin won the league and FA Cup double in 1997-98, but even better was to follow as a number 5, as he won another double, the FA Cup again in 2003, and played in the unbeaten season in 2003-4. In fact, Martin has another link with the number 14. He's currently in 14th place on the all-time appearance list for the club, with 449 games in all competitions. His games came in two spells, either side of three seasons with Aston Villa and four with Everton, and include 310 PL appearances. Only three players made more for the Gunners. The Arsenal Foundation. My story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and its partners and initiatives supports and touches the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation Emergency Covid Fund has helped Unity Works, a specialist organisation that supports people with learning disabilities to gain skills, achieve qualifications and secure jobs. Stacey Coyne, 24, from Camden, tells us how Unity Works lockdown Zoom sessions have helped her. My name is Stacey and I've got a disability. I have a global development delay, chromosome normality and epilepsy. I have to take medication every day and sometimes I have seizures, but not very often, luckily. I like going on YouTube, spending time with my three dogs and being with my family. My dream job would be working in a cafe. I was told about Unity Works by my carer's advisor, Amelia. She explained what they could offer in a few weeks into lockdown and how the sessions were normally run by a person were being held on Zoom. I started off by joining a cooking class, and since then I've joined in with loads more. I really like doing them. Before COVID-19, I was just about to start a volunteering job in a day centre for old people, where I'd be making tea and coffee, but that didn't happen. I've done a bit of volunteering before, and I was quite disappointed when the first lockdown started, because I was really looking forward to it. I wanted to really get involved in the sessions, because I didn't have anything else to do and I was really bored. It was like having my routine, and I felt stuck without it. Since then, I've learnt to do some cooking, which I don't know how to do before. We even made my favourite macaroni cheese. They've also got lots of sessions for your mental health, and I really like the medication and mental toughness sessions, which help me relax when I'm feeling anxious. I've learnt how to meditate, and I can do this all by myself now. I always join the session called News Breakdown. We talk about the coronavirus and what's happening to the rest of the world. News can be a bit hard to understand at the moment, so the sessions help me to find out what's going on. I was quite isolated before the lockdown, so Zoom meetings have really helped me, and I like staying in touch with people. Now I've made friends with the people on Zoom, and I didn't have many friends before, so it's nice to get to know people who are like me, and then they're my age, and disabilities like me too. I wasn't able to go out or anything during the lockdown because I was isolating. So being on Zoom has really helped me stay connected with people 
and what's going on outside. I would like to carry on my Zoom sessions after the pandemic so we can stay in touch with people. They're really fun and they're easy to join. For more info, visit unityworks.org.uk. Premier League Match Day 11, 4.30pm, Sunday, December the 6th, 2020, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tottenham Hotspur 2, Arsenal 0. First half. Buki Osaka and Thomas Partey both had shots off target in the opening 10 minutes as we looked to take the game to the hosts from the first whistle. But we were soon rocked by a goal on the break, well finished by Song Hyung Min. Despite going behind, we continued to dominate possession and territory, but we were unable to create presentable chances. Tottenham appeared happy to sit back and catch us on the break, which is exactly what they did in the final minute of the first half. Alexandra Lacazette, playing in the number 10 role, found Hector Bellerin well inside the box. But when his cross was cut, the hosts sprang forward, outnumbered us and finished through Harry Kane. Second half. It was a similar story of attack versus defence in the second half. We were camped inside the opposition half, but struggled to convert possession into goals. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang headed a fantastic Kieran Tierney crossover before Lacazette saw his own headed effort clawed away low down by Hugo Lloris. In fact, we sent more than 25 crosses into the box from open play, but found the Tottenham defence difficult to break down. Visitors Burnley by Mike Hammond Formed 1882 Nickname The Clarets Stadium Turf Moor Capacity 21,944 Honours First Division Stroke Premier League Winners 1920 Stroke 21 1959 Stroke 60 Runners Up 1919 Stroke 20 1961 Stroke 62 Second Division Stroke Championship Winners 1897 Stroke 98 1972 Stroke 73 2015 Stroke 16 Third Division Stroke League One Winners 1981 Stroke 82 Fourth Division Stroke League Two Winners 1991 Stroke 92 FA Cup Winners 1914 FA Cup Runners-Up, 1947-1962 Charity Shield Winners, 1960-1973 Anglo-Scottish Cup Winners, 1978-79 Chairman, Mike Garlick Social Followers Twitter, 527,000 Instagram, 343,000 Facebook, 441,000 Three months into the season, albeit with only 10 of their 38 matches played, Burnley already find themselves facing a struggle to maintain their Premier League status. The Clarets came into this weekend placed 18th in the table with just six points to their name. It is generally unfamiliar territory for Sean Dyke's side, who are playing top-flight football for the fifth season in a row, the club's longest spell among England's elite for half a century, and finished a creditable 10th last season having won more games, 15, than they lost, 14. While Arsenal are looking to rediscover their Premier League home form, 
The Lancashire side are this evening seeking a first league win on the road in 2020-21. They actually finished last season very strongly on their travels, winning three at Crystal Palace, West Ham and Norwich and drawing the other, 1-1 at Champions Liverpool, of their last four away fixtures during the summer extension. But this term they have already lost three times, 4-2 at Leicester, 3-1 at Newcastle, 5-0 at Manchester City in addition to the two goalless draws against relegation rivals West Brom and Brighton. On the positive side, they did win here in London, 2-0 against Millwall in the Carabao Cup back in September, before exiting the competition a week later with a 0-3 home defeat against Holders and Arsenal's quarter-final adversaries, Manchester City. Furthermore, the Clarets have taken four points from their last two Premier League home fixtures, beating Crystal Palace 1-0 at Turf Moor on November the 23rd before holding Everton 1-1 there last Saturday. Burnley's main problem this season has been scoring goals. Those 10 league games have yielded a paltry five, with two of those coming in their opening defeat at Leicester. It was the joint lowest figure in the Premier League after last weekend alongside Sheffield United, and it is a statistic that manager Dyke will be eager to address quickly despite the fact that defensive solidity, rather than prolific goal-scoring, has been the cornerstone of the club's successes in recent seasons. Indeed, when Burnley finished 7th in the Premier League in 2017-18 to qualify for European football for the first time in 52 years, they scored only 36 goals, less than half as many as Arsenal, 74, who finished a place above them, but conceded only 39, 12 fewer than the Gunners, and less than all of the teams in the division bar the top five. Already this season, however, Dyke's side have shipped three goals or more in four league games, with the recent defeat at Man City, where they lost 5-0 for the fourth time in a row, still fresh in the memory. It goes without saying that Burnley have to start scoring more goals and conceding fewer if they are to start climbing the table. After tonight, they have four more fixtures to fulfil before the year is out away to Aston Villa and Leeds, and at home to Wolves and Sheffield United. Key battles all on the road to Premier League survival. Mutual admiration. Even though he played just 15 games for Burnley, Ian Wright's spell at Turf Moor is fondly remembered by the Lancastrians. Wright, he answered the call of Stan Turnant, who he had known since his Crystal Palace days on Valentine's Day 2000, to help propel Burnley to promotion to Division 1 now the championship, and goals against Gillingham, Reading, Notts County and Brentford certainly did their bit as Turnant's team pipped Gillingham to second place. The then 36-year-old only started four of 15 games, but the super sub still shone, notably with a last-minute winner in a 2-1 victory over Notts County. Ian's exploits at Arsenal hardly need underlining. The former all-time leading goalscorer notched 185 times in just 288 games, winning the double in 1997-98, the FA Cup and League Cup in 1993, and the European Cup Winners' Cup in 1994. Following his signature for a club record 2.5 million in 1991, it wasn't just Ian's glut of goals that endeared him to Gunners fans. His ebullient style and charisma means he is still many fans' favourite player of all time. First impression. 
reproducing the oldest picture in our archives featuring today's opponents. The first picture in our archives of an Arsenal vs Burnley match isn't from a game. It's from the excited build-up to an FA Cup fifth round match, and the supporters in question had every reason for their excitement. The venue is Euston Station, the date February 20th 1937, and the two Arsenal ladies are chugging out of the station, complete with banner and old-fashioned rattle. On arriving at Turf Moor, the intrepid away fans watched George Allison's Gunners trounce Burnley 7-1, with Ted Drake grabbing four, Jack Crayston, Cliff Bastin and Alf Kirkchin also scoring in front of 54,445 fans. In truth, 2nd Division Burnley were underdogs, particularly with Arsenal dominating the decade and arriving in the North West as FA Cup holders. Into the quarterfinals, and we wonder if these two intrepid fans made the shorter trip to West Bromwich Albion, when it would be a less joyous journey home following a 3-1 defeat at the Hawthorns. Premier League record. AFC wins 10, draws 2, BFC wins 0, Arsenal win percentage 83. All-time record. AFC wins 54, draws 22, BFC wins 33. Arsenal win percentage, 50. 7. Arsenal's leading scorer in the Premier League against Burnley is current skipper Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang with 7 goals. That's one more than Burnley have scored in total against the Gunners in 12 Premier League games. 46. Burnley's only win against the Gunners this century was a 2-0 League Cup victory at Turf Moor on December 2, 2008 when Kevin McDonald, now at Fulham, scored both goals. For Arsenal, defender Paul Rogers made his only first-team appearance, playing 46 minutes of the match. Scouting Report by Michael Cox Sean Dyke is now into his ninth year in charge of Burnley, which makes him the longest-serving Premier League manager and third in the list of Football League bosses. Only Simon Weaver of recently promoted Harrogate Town and Wickham Wanderers' Gareth Ainsworth have been in charge of their current clubs for longer. Dyke has become renowned as a back-to-basics, no-nonsense manager whose side play the most direct football in the Premier League. Statistics back that up. Burnley's pass completion rate of 73% is the lowest in the division, and they win 23 aerial duels per game, the most in the division. When combined with Dyke's constant complaints about tackling being penalised too strictly and opponents falling to the ground too easily, you know what you're going to get from Burnley. Dyke generally deploys a classic 4-4-2 system, with the attack based around the towering New Zealand international Chris Wood. He thrives off crosses and is a good target for long balls, and works particularly well when Burnley get a strike partner running off him. Ashley Barnes is excellent at positioning himself for knockdowns and flick-ons, while Jay Rodriguez is an alternative and can provide spectacular finishes. He was also used on the right of midfield in the recent 5-0 loss at Manchester City. Matej Vidra is usually a super-sub. Rodriguez's surprise deployment on the right away at City underlines the fact that Dyke hasn't got that position sorted so far this season. Left-footed options like Robbie Brady and Johan Berg Goodmanson have started three games apiece on that flank, as has Josh Brownhill, who feels like more of a box-to-box midfielder. 
That means Burnley very much depend on their left flank for good crosses into the box. And Dwight McNeil is, on his day, amongst the best crossers in the Premier League. He has, on occasion, also switched to the right, from where he can cut inside to shoot. In midfield, Ashley Westwood is never present, a reliable passer and a fine set-piece taker. Brownhill has been his most regular partner in the engine room, although Dale Stevens was signed from Brighton to provide a steadier presence, while Arsenal youth product Josh Benson has been involved in Burnley's last two matches and would love a run out at the Emirates today. Defensively, Burnley sit deep and are most notable for the number of blocks they make. James Tarkowski and Ben Mee are both specialists in that regard, while Kevin Long has played well on occasion this season, as has fellow Irishman Jimmy Dunn. Matt Lowton is a good crosser from right back, while Phil Bardsley a more solid option. On the left, Charlie Taylor can overlap well and combine with McNeil. In goal, Nick Pope is one of the Premier League's best shot stoppers. Burnley tend to offer plenty of physicality away at the Emirates, with Barnes often involved in running battles against the Arsenal centre-backs. But Dyke's side are yet to collect a point from five trips here. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 4. William Saliba. 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos. 6. Gabriel. 7. Bokeo Saka. 8. Danny Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Mesut Ozil. 12. Willian. 13. Alex Runason, goalkeeper. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez. 18. Thomas Partey. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 20. Schroeder Mustafi. 21. Callum Chambers. 22. Pablo Mori. 23. David Lewis. 24. Reese Nelson. 25. Mohamed Elneny. 28. Joe Willock. 30. Eddie Nketiah. 31. Zird Golazinac. 32. Emil Smith-Rowe. 33. Matt Macy, goalkeeper. 34. Granit Xhaka. 35. Gabriel Martinelli. 38. Follerin Balogun. For Burnley, manager, Sean Deach. Blank shirts, shorts and socks with claret and blue trim. 1. Nick Pope, goalkeeper. 2. Matthew Loughton. 3. Charlie Taylor. 4. Jack Cork. 5. James Tokowski. 6. Ben Mee. 7. Johan Goodmanson. 8. Josh Brownhill. 9. Chris Wood. 10. Ashley Barnes. 11. Dwight McNeil. 12. Robbie Brady. 15. Bailey Peacock Farrell, goalkeeper. 16. Dale Stevens. 18. Ashley Westwood. 19. Jay Rodriguez. 23. Eric Peters. 25. Will Norris, goalkeeper. 26. Phil Bartley. 27. Mate Vidra. 28. Kevin Long. 34. Jimmy Dunn. 
41, Josh Benson. Match officials, referee Graham Scott, assistant referees Peter Kirkup, Richard West, fourth official Stuart Atwell, VAR official David Coote, additional VAR official Nick Hopton. Today's other fixtures. Southampton versus Sheffield United at 12pm. Crystal Palace versus Tottenham Hotspur at 2.15pm. Fulham versus Liverpool at 4.30pm. Leicester City versus Brighton and Hove Albion at 7.15pm. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Invented in the lab, proven on the pitch. Fuel like the Gunners. Gatorade, number one sports drink in the world. The official sports drink of Arsenal Football Club. Sports. Watch it live. Feel it all. Credit goals. Count on the experts. You wouldn't have much to celebrate if one of our credit geeks was trying to score at football. But when it comes to crunching the numbers, you can count on the MBNA team. Whether you're looking to squish existing balances together or just need a backup for when things get stretched, you'll find a great range of credit card options with us. Find out more at mbna.co.uk. 
MBNA, official partner of Arsenal. Arsenal, ready for Arsenal. This is family. New 2021 third kit on sale in store and online. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 